the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Word to Stand On for Life. This is the Date Day edition. It's Thursday, so that means I get to spend the hour with my best friend, my beautiful wife, May, here in the studio. You want to say hi? Good afternoon, everybody. So, uh, quick note, so Pastor Ron, you know, has been out this week, um, and we're staying in touch with him, finding out how he's doing. Again, he sends his love, both he and Paula wish they would be here, but uh, he's not ready yet. And so... Uh, May and I will uh, continue on with the show. The the purpose of the show doesn't change. We're here to take your Bible questions, questions about how to put the Word of God into practice in your lives, questions about Jesus, uh, and and anything we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord. Now, today, because it is the date, the edition, I want to add something to that. If you're listening to this program and you have questions about your relationships, questions about your marriage, or questions about uh, how the Lord can work in your life or in your relationships or in your family, uh, this would be the appropriate day to ask those questions. So uh, both May and I will do our best to encourage you in the Lord and help you put the Word of God into practice. So with that, let me give you the phone numbers, 210-340-9500. 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877-630-5757. 877-630-5757. The email address, if you want to submit questions that way, is questions at calvarysa.com. Questions, that's plural, at calvarysa.com. As always, we have our church app. If that's something you use, you can submit a question that way. It'll go right into our inbox. And if you're in your car, you can use the KSLR app. Or if you're out of the area, you could use the internet. The the KSLR app allows you to listen and even uh, call in directly to the radio station. You can ask your question on the air. Okay, sweetie, so this is the date, the edition. It's sort of a special one for us. Now, you and I have been talking, and uh, there's a neat thing that's going on with you and with me. Now, it seems like the past couple times you and I have done the date, the edition, uh, we would go and reflect back on some of the things that, that the Lord has done, and which is always a good thing. But today, um, we get to do that celebrating something special. And uh, November 30th for me was my 25th birthday in the Lord. And for you, it will be, that was just a few days ago. And for you, you, sweetie, it will be December 8th, right? Yeah, that's a a guesstimate, but I really do think it was December 8th. It was 1997. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a long time ago, but... Uh, I remember it, we remember it oh so vividly 
And so what we want to do is spend uh, a, but a good part of the show uh, asking each other about the things that we remember. I think you, you had some things you wanted to ask me about that time, but really reflecting on God's goodness, reflecting on God's goodness. And so, um, sweetie, I'll let you start. Okay. So I just wrote some questions down. Uh, number one, refresh briefly who you are and how you came to Christ 25 years ago. Yes. Is it yesterday or two days ago? November 30th. It's a couple days ago, but uh, I, I will hold that all because we have a, a caller. We don't want people to wait on the line. So I will cue that and answer that after our call. Let's go to our phone that lines. We yesterday, have yesterday, by the way. <laughs> That's right. Maria from San Antonio, you're on the air. Hi, I, I have a question. Hi, Maria. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> God bless. Uh, how many gifts can a prophet operate in? Can it be different gifts, or is it just um, prophecy? Good question, Maria. So, the Bible says very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 that the office of prophet and apostle is no longer in operation today. The office means it's, not, uh, it's no longer occupied. Now, that means, Maria, that uh, even if there are some people that call themselves prophets and call themselves apostles, uh, the, the Bible tells us that that foundation has clearly been laid uh, and that, that it doesn't need to be laid anymore. There in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. However, there are, like you said, gifts. There is a gift of prophecy. There is the gift of encouragement. There are other spiritual gifts. So the answer to your question, Maria, there really is no limit to, to the spiritual gifts that God will give a person. Now, what we do know is we, we want to make sure that, that gifts as we see them are clearly defined according to God's word. And there, there's gifts of encouragement. There is uh, gifts that we see in the Bible, of gifts of helps. Uh, there's the gift of interpretation. There's also a, a gift of tongues. But what we want to do is make sure we use the Bible to, to verify that these are actually gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether there's a limit to them or not, no, there isn't. I would say this, practically speaking, God gives us each at least one gift. And as we're faithful to exercise that gift, to use it for the edification of the body, I really believe God will give us more. As we prove ourselves to be faithful, to be effective, an effective administrator of those gifts or that gift, God will exercise uh, or help us to exercise our faith and then increase in the gifting. And so, Maria, there is no, the Bible doesn't say that there's a limit to the amount of gifts. Now, whenever somebody says that I've got this gift and that gift, and, and that's fine, but use the scriptures to confirm that this actually is a gift for the Lord. But then, and also to remember to the office of the prophet is no longer around, but the gift of prophecy is. Oh, one quick explanation too. So the gift of prophecy is not as we read it in the Old Testament. Sometimes Christians misunderstand prophecy or the gift of prophecy to, to be sort of a, a, a foretelling of the future. That's not what the New Testament describes as the gift of prophecy. The the, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is always in the context of looking back at God's Word. So what is the foretelling of God's Word? The, so whenever a pastor is teaching the Bible, for example, oftentimes he is prophesying, exercising his gift. He's using his gift of teaching, but oftentimes also prophesying by foretelling God's Word. So Maria, that's a great question. Thank you for your call. Okay, let's go back to what we were talking about, sweetie. Uh, you Can you ask that question one more time? I said, uh, refresh briefly who you are and how you came to Christ 25 years ago yesterday. 
Yeah, yesterday. Uh, so, uh, you and I were just talking about this, and it's it is true. I remember thinking about this, and I don't think about it often because it's you know there's so much the Lord has done in the in the 25 years since I remember giving my life to the Lord, but in a way that is so special to me. And I'm sure many in the radio listening audience can identify with this. I remember it like it was yesterday, even if I don't think about it that much. And one of the things that sticks out in my mind is November 30th, 1997, was a day where even as messed up as I was that day, it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving that year. That's how I remember being taken to church by by a relative that I really didn't want to go. You know, as messed up as my life was, I wanted to make my life better by going back to Catholic church because that's what I was raised in. And uh, even as a, a kid, going to church and walking out of Mass, I just felt better, even if I wasn't saved and I didn't know Jesus and so when my life was really bad, I thought, well, that's what I just need, that feeling of just going back to Mass and coming out and feeling good. Um, I had somebody take me to another church who was at our house for Thanksgiving, and I went in, and I did not want to get saved. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> I just remember not wanting to get saved because in my mind, it was ingrained, watch out for those born-agains. They're going to try to convert you. <laughs> and that's what they taught us, right? Our, our Filipino family members, would, diehard Catholics would always tell us things like that. And so the guy greeting me at the door there at the Sunday evening service at Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego, California, reached out to shake my hand. And I walked by him with my hands up saying, I'm not touching you because I know what you're trying to do. But even at that time, the Lord was already working on my heart. I already knew my life was messed up. And the short version of it is I walked into a room that seemed like a thousand people were sitting in on a bunch of folding chairs. And I was the only person sitting down with my arms folded. I did not want to be there. Everybody else was standing up, singing songs and reading the lyrics off of the screen and and that's when the Lord really showed me, look, what if what they have that you don't have is real? And I can elaborate on that a little bit more, but that's when I started to think, like, wow, I spend so much energy on this facade of trying to look like I've got it together when it's obvious my life is falling apart. Sweetie, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got a Felipe from San Antonio. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ken, I was uh, listening to uh, what you were talking about, and I was like, man, was that my life with the Catholic, <laughs> Catholic Church? I had a similar experience. Uh, just felt like when I was when I became Christian and going to a Christian church, I felt like I was cheating on the Catholic Church. And, oh, and yeah. now that I found out what church really is, I was like, man, I was just so backward in my thinking, now knowing what really the Lord wanted from me, which is to give him my whole heart. But um, the reason I'm calling is I don't have a question or anything like that. I didn't even know you were on today. I just, uh, the Holy Spirit was on my heart and it was just uh, a message of encouragement uh, for, for anybody that may be listening and may be struggling with uh, whatever it is. Mm. Um, uh, as, as you guys know uh, at the church, uh, people on the radio may not know, but I was diagnosed with cancer in, yes. in June, and uh, I went through my six rounds of chemo. I, I gained weight through chemo. I gained like 40 pounds. I was feeling good, feeling strong. Hair is starting to grow back. So I went back for my tests, and, and through it, I was ministering to the people at the infusion center. Um, at first, I took my eyes off the Lord because I was just like, man, the enemy was in my head. Like, you're going to die. I didn't take my thoughts captive. I said, your babies, you're not going to see your babies grow up. You know, and, and mm. I, I reread Joe 
and and they gave me peace. I was at peace. I said, again, like I had with my heart, nevertheless, Lord, thy will, not my will be done. And I had peace since then. Well, another, uh, after my first six rounds of chemo, like I said, I was feeling good, feeling strong, went back to work, um, had my passion, cancer is there. It didn't go all the way, and it's starting to grow back. So then that voice, those voices called back again. I was depressed for about a day and a half this time, and then I got back on. But since then, that was last week, since then, I've had a surgery. I had a surgery on Monday, and I'm actually lying in a, in a hospital bed right now receiving chemo. Wow. wow. So I just wanted to uh, just uh, encourage all of you that may be struggling. You think, man, this is, this is it. You know, um, I can't bear anymore, but the Lord loves you. Just trust him. Absolutely. Trust Felipe, him with all your heart. Yeah. Felipe, you are such an encouragement. Uh, let me say two things real quickly. We have been, there have been hundreds of people praying for you. Uh, I knew about uh, the chemo and the cancer and, and then the rounds, and I knew that there was the not-so-good news afterwards. But one thing that, uh, that you said that's so vitally important is is that we we can't take our eyes off the Lord. And I know you, Felipe. And I know your heart. I know your heart for Jesus and and for you to share the things that you've gone through. And prior to all this, if I remember correctly, I mean, you're like one of the fittest guys that I know, you know. <laughs> and and all of this came crashing down in your world. Uh, yes, we struggle sometimes, but you are such a wonderful example of how faithful God is. It doesn't mean things turn out always the way we want. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, Felipe, we're able to be used to minister to those that are around us. Like you said, even at the, uh, the places, the medical places that you have to go to, well, you could be sitting there feeling sorry for yourself, but you wouldn't be usable by God. But because you kept your eyes on Jesus, um, look at what he's done. And we continue to pray for you, Felipe. You, you really are an encouragement. And the second thing I'll say is this. You know, that specific, this call is, I know for a fact, encouraging, very specific, is a word for people in our own body. And I know for sure it's a word for people listening to the show right now. Because there are people that... We know by name that are going through the most difficult time of their life, and they really needed to hear this, Felipe. So thank you for your call. Thank you. And it's, we give our best to your wife also, Jordan, and your kids. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. That's right. Say hi to the family for us, Felipe. Oh, what an encouragement. Uh, thank you again. Okay, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Ruben and Seguin. You're on the air. How are you doing today, sir? Ruben, it's good to hear from you. Hi, how's it going? Um, I wish I would have heard what Felipe had to say. I, Unfortunately, my radio, I don't know what's wrong with it, and I can't download the app. I don't know why, but it is what it is. Um, but from what little I caught from what you said when I got on the air, um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take whatever he said, even though I didn't hear it, and just lift myself up out of, you know, That's right. uh, you know, with this thing that these things that I've gone through over the years, and 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 um, I just had a question, and I I just I pray that <clears throat> I, it's like I told you the other day, you know, when when it was my birthday and. I could have went on Facebook and said, thank God for another year despite this and this and this and this and this that I'm going through. And, and I, I didn't do that uh, at the risk of sounding like, you know, a broken record or, or something or whining. I just have a question like, you know, sure. I anxiety, I don't claim it. I don't claim it at all. And 
hear people tell me, well, Ruben, you, you have anxiety. I'm like, no, no, I don't. Um, I deal with anxiety, but I don't have it. And in my mind, this is the way I look at it. Okay. Uh, I'm a musician, so I have keyboards, guitars, you know, galore around my house. Okay. I have those instruments. Those are mine. No one can take them from me because they are mine. Anxiety, it isn't mine. Right, right, <laughs> right. So I'm not going to claim it. I'm not going to claim it. I, I deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. You know, uh, like Paul said, you know, uh, you know, uh, I believe it's in the book of Romans where, where oh no no that's wrong thing wrong thing I'm talking about the wrong, wrong thing but uh, they're completely wrong it has nothing to do with what I'm trying to talk about <laughs> it's just uh, to be honest right now the enemy is trying to give me anxiety and I feel a tightness in my chest and oh. he's trying to give me anxiety and I'm I'm saying I'm not I'm not I don't claim it. That's right, Ruben. In the name of Jesus, I don't claim it. I don't claim it. And then I tell people that, you know, that, you know, that's how I try to give them a metaphor. Like, Let know, me you give you a, a word of encouragement, Ruben. Real quickly, you are absolutely right. And, and, and I would go further to say this. Whenever we focus on the circumstances that surround us, it, our tendency, because of our flesh— is is to focus on ourselves. We turn our eyeballs inward. And I'm telling you, I don't care how spiritual you are or how strong your faith is, whenever we turn our eyes inward and we focus on ourselves, we're, we're going to be anxious and depressed and we're going to to be in an unhealthy state of mind because of all the things that are going on. This is because when Paul writes to the, to the, the Hebrews in the 12th chapter, he says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And so whenever we, well, you know, we have things like anxiety and depression and there are clinical issues that maybe need to be dealt with, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when our eyes are fixed on our circumstances, uh, you know, we're going to get anxious about things. And so your attitude, Ruben, is absolutely correct. Don't focus on, you know, what the enemy's attacks are. Uh, Don't focus on what your flesh wants you to think. Instead, you fix your eyes on Jesus. And what I'll do is he'll give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. You can meditate on Philippians chapter 4. Remember, that's just one of many sections where Paul the Apostle is encouraging us how to think biblically. And when we set our mind on things above, when we set our hearts on things above, like Colossians chapter 3 says, yeah, anxiety is not ours. We can deal with it, but it's, it, it'll be a passing thing. And... Uh, also, Ruben, don't forget, if, you, if you're having trouble with our app, um, you can always go to KSLR's um, website. And you can listen there um, in case you're having uh, difficulties. Okay, well, it's good to hear from you. Um, we've, got, we've got one more phone call. I think we have time to get. Let's go to our, back to our phone lines. JR from San Antonio, you're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ken, thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, quick Hi, question about, uh, I, I got a quick question. When, um, uh, after the resurrection, when uh, Jesus was asking uh, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times, right? And yes. is this directly related to Peter's three denials? Is this like a way of Jesus undoing his denial or, you know, forgiving him? And because I'm I'm sure Peter was still beating himself up over that, likely, maybe for the rest of his life. Are those directly related or is it just 
happened to work out that Jesus had to ask him three times. You know what, uh, Jr. I think your discernment is spot on, and and this is how the Lord works with us. This actually ties into what May and I are are talking about when it comes to our sal- salvation, celebrating twenty five years of what the Lord has done. The short answer is this: Yes, Jesus is is intentionally saying to Peter, "Do you love me? Do you love me?" And and Peter would be discouraged because he would say, Lord, you know I love you. You know I phileo you. And, and three times, and uh, I'll elaborate more on this after the break. We've got less than a minute here, so the music's going to start in just a, a few seconds. But I think what you mentioned here, Jr., is vitally important because Peter— among all the disciples, he often gets a bad rap. You know, he's the one with the, the, the foot-in-mouth disease <laughs> that people often joke about. But in actuality, Peter, we're a lot like Peter. And so the restoration of Peter is something that's very practical for all of us. Sweetie, that the music has started. That means we're ending the first half of the Word to Stand Out for Life. The date, the edition, will be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the date edition of the word to stand on for life. My name is Pastor Ken. I'm filling in for Pastor Ron this week while he is recovering from his uh, little illness and so keep him in your prayers. He sends his love. In the meantime, my best friend, my beautiful wife, and I get to fill in for the date day edition. So, sweetie, you want to say hello again yeah. one more time? Hey there, everybody. It's good to be here, and I hope everyone's having a great day in the Lord. Oh, good. So may, I'm going to give you a chance to comment, uh, but let me finish up on what Jr. called about, and then I think you wanted to say something about Reuben's call. Okay. Uh, so, Jr., you're absolutely right. There in John chapter 21, when Jesus is really reinstating Peter three times, just like you said, he said to Peter, uh, Peter, do you love me? And the first two times he uses the word agape, remember. And then the, each one of those responses, at least the first two times, Peter is saying, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I love you. And and this would almost be with, not disappointment, but like you mentioned, Jr. there was sort of a, a burden on Peter's heart thinking about the three denials and how he denied the Lord. Because Peter was just a man like you and me. These things would be looming on on his head and on his heart. No doubt the enemy would use that to discourage him. But let me make a clarification about something you said, Jr. These things would not haunt him, your words, the rest of his life. Why? Because this reinstatement of Peter by Jesus was a picture of the grace that Jesus is showing him. He's wanting Peter to know that you have been forgiven. So don't beat yourself up. This is important. This is important for us to understand when we focus, sort of like what Rubens call was, when we focus on ourselves, we turn our eyeballs inward. We look at what we've done, what we didn't do, how we could have done it better, how performance is not up to par and therefore the Lord may not be pleased with us. All that thinking is of the flesh. Jesus never thinks that way. And here he's telling Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Basically, get back to work and stop focusing on yourself. Remember what John would write in his first epistle in the third chapter. 
on verse 19, verse 20, right around there, he would say, even when our own hearts condemn us, God doesn't because he's greater than our hearts. And we need to remember this, sweetie, right? Mm -hmm. When our flesh wants to just beat ourselves up, we're actually focusing on ourselves. And that could be, could be a source of anxiety in our lives. And so, J.R., thank you for your call. Uh, Sweetie, let me turn it over to you. Go back to yeah, what Ruben's call was um, about. It's not only Ruben's, but also uh, Felipe's because he was talking about encouragement. And um, I'm, I'm someone who deals with um, sometimes anxiety or worry. And a lot of women do, actually. And I don't want to just say that it's just women. But um, I, I was meditating earlier on this one. Um, it's a very common one that people turn to. But it's, um, let me see. Matthew six twenty five through 34, it goes like this. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about what or your body, yes. what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life and why do you worry about clothes see how the flowers of the field grow they do not labor or spin yet i tell you that not even solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these if that is how god clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire will he not much more clothe you 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 of little faith so do not worry saying what shall we eat what shall we drink what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your father mm. your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well so and therefore do not worry about tomorrow for mm. tomorrow will worry about itself each day has each tr a trouble of its own and that's uh, often like quoted and a lot of people um refer to that but um it, it speaks to how much God cares for us. Um, the part where it says, aren't you more valuable? Yes. And we are. To, to Jesus, we are. We're his kids. So he cares about every single thing. And that's actually, that's how I have rest when I have anxiety or worry or even, you know, just um, needing encouragement. I, I really love that. You know, sweetie, you're spot on. You, that, that word of encouragement is something that even if intellectually we know this as Christians, it's got to be something we appreciate regularly. And, you know, if we're not going through a difficult time right now, there are going to be difficult times ahead. Mm -hmm. And we have to reflect on the goodness of God, his track record of faithfulness in our lives, even when our circumstances are overwhelming. And so this leads me into an opportunity to give you a chance, sweetie, to sort of answer the same question that, that uh, you had for me. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, both of us are celebrating 25 years in the Lord. And by the way, sweetie, you look 25. You don't look a day over 25 years old. So. I joke, but like I feel like my life started 25 years ago. So I it's feel like absolutely I'm 25. True. My body doesn't know it, but <laughs> I feel like I'm 25. We're 25 years life. old. Uh, but um, share with share with uh, okay. with me, with our radio listening audience, sort of what the Lord kind of did in your heart. Okay, well, um, I'll just try to be brief, but um, I remember my time of salvation as something that was uh, kind of like I was I was in a place of desperation. Mm. Um, I was very uh, depressed and down and just needed the Lord. I was um, spending, I spent the whole year in 1997 because I got saved at the end of the year, um, actually trying to seek God in the Catholic Church. Mm. And I would go every Sunday, and I would feel like I'm clean <laughs> and like I'm good with the Lord. But um, I never had that relationship till I actually came across um, these verses in, in Isaiah. And it's about—I'm um, not going to read them, but I read, like, probably chapters 51 through 56. And, um, yes. In Isaiah 54, and that's what actually Mama's, Mama Paula's favorite as well. Um, I felt like God spoke to me in a deep way in, in that chapter. And then, wow. of course, in chapter 55, it's about the invitation to the thirsty, you know, invitation. And in chapter 56, 
I just, just felt like he, God spoke to me about what I needed to do and yeah. clean up my life, really. And I, I remember from there, I took a leap of faith and just kind of left everything, left all my old sinful yes. you know, things that I clinged on to. And from there, I felt like the Lord just like um, had me alone for probably a good couple months where I felt like I was seeking uh, a church. I was seeking, you know, um, understanding in the word of God. And it was a, it was a neat time because I had so much time on my hands. Yes. And like right now in my life, I don't have that, <laughs> that luxury, but like I, I see a lot of single people who have like that luxury of all this time. I'm like, wow, that's great. You could spend it all with the Lord. That's right. You know, but, um, that's just a little I bit love about that. my salvation. I, I love how you share about God meeting you mm-hmm. in your most difficult time of need. You know, um, Isaiah 51 and really 54 or 55, really such an encouraging passage of Scripture. Uh, we know the, the, the prophecy there that Isaiah is talking about would have a, a later uh, application, but the personal application of that is it's really uh, encouraging when we hear God say he is the father to the fatherless and he is the husband to those that have no husband. And I think that speaks to the loneliness that we, we experience in our lives. Um, something that I remember, you know, 25 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I, like I mentioned earlier, I really spent a lot of time trying to give this outward impression that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't sad, that I was uh, okay, everything was fine. But inside, I was absolutely falling apart. And so, um, well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it is very special to celebrate what the Lord is doing. There is a called-in question that I'll address now, and I'll just read this, and then maybe we can share our thoughts here. Uh, this one is from Ron in Converse. He says, how does he, uh, he would be me, <laughs> how do you feel about the Respect for Marriage Act? Well, uh, I think the Respect for Marriage Act is actually disrespectful to marriage. In short, it is basically a bill that tries to force or compel the government's hand to treat uh, same-sex marriages and all whatever definition of marriage you want to add to be equal. And, you know, the wording here is key. When they call it the Respect for Marriage Act, it is actually disrespectful to the, the, the way God designs the biblical model for marriage. And so it is uh, not something that I would support, not something that I would encourage. And I say my opinion of it doesn't matter. It is unbiblical. And so thank you, Ron, for your question. That's basically what that uh, bill is about. Okay, well, we still have nobody on the phone lines. Let's continue talking, sweetie. I I want to share a little bit more unless you had another question for me. Uh, uh, I just wanted you to share about maybe um, what your childhood was like and also like um, since you've been born again, what wisdom can you impart to the listeners? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the last 25 that's, that's, years. You know, that that's a uh, – I should have asked you these questions earlier, but uh, these are good. I'm going to – I won't be emotional about this, but, you know, my, my childhood is um, – not an uncommon one, especially in a military home, a military and religious home, where, you know, like you described, going to Catholic Church was a regular thing, even if we we didn't have a relationship with Jesus. One of the sweetest things that that ever happened to me actually took place just a few days ago on Thanksgiving. When, like we always do, Thanksgiving, we get together at our house with a couple of other families. And after eating and everything, we spend a moment gathering together and just sharing our hearts. I go through 
um, the scriptures real briefly, not a Bible study, but open the open the sort of open up the floor for for families and people to share sort of what the Lord has been doing in in their year and things that they're grateful for. And there's something that really blew me away. I had to fight back my tears this past Thanksgiving because, um, well, sweetie, you know, you were sitting right next mm-hmm. to me, but. Um, as soon as I opened it up to the floor to speak, you shared first, and what you said was absolutely true about what God has done by bringing together our family, giving us a church family here. And then my mom jumped in. And, you know, my mom is not somebody that normally talks a lot. I mean, she does, and you get to know her. She's always got the joy of the Lord, but, you know, she's had it pretty difficult but there were no complaints coming out of her mouth. It was just thanking God for uh, when she said thank you. She was thanking God for me mm-hmm. because I, I was the one that introduced her to Jesus. And, and your dad. Yes, and, and my dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, dad it, my father-in-law. <laughs> yes. It, and it, it just took me off guard because there was like a flood of emotion at that moment. I remember that day um, without going into details, but this isn't something that you do, at least within our Filipino culture. Mm-hmm. You know, parents don't sit down, I mean, children don't sit down to talk to their parents. And and what could easily be misconstrued as disrespectful. You know, the, uh, I knew that the Lord had made it very clear to me that I need to... S- sit them down and talk to them about the things that were going on in, in their lives. And and my mom was so grateful for that. She And through that, God used, used that to really save everyone in my family. Mm-hmm. And so she kept going on and on about how uh, thankful she is to the Lord for for doing that work. I mean, we literally watched one by one um, God change the hearts of people in our family and and you've been here all along watching what the lord has been doing sweetie and so that's one of the things i think about um this past thanksgiving uh and this is actually my first time talking about it but it it really touched me Hmm. it was really special because i've never had those words heard those words come out of my mom's mouth so Well, thank you for giving me a chance to elaborate on that, sweetie. Let's hold that thought for just a second. And let's go to uh, Anonymous from Bolverde. You're on the air. Hey, uh, Pastor Ken, uh, I got a question for you. If you could keep me on if you have time in case I need to just clarify something with you. I was talking to one of our counselors at church yesterday, and he said uh, based to the fact that there's no such thing as you know, as we call it, biblical grounds for divorce. What Moses was talking about, uh, I guess, was it in, maybe it's in Deuteronomy? I can't remember now. Uh, where he gives the the reasons for abandonment, uh, or uh, uh, gosh, what was the other one? Infidelity. Uh, infidelity. There you go. Infidelity or, or abandonment. And but he said that was just uh, you know his way of trying to deal with the people and their you know, in uh, unwillingness to follow God's plan is which which way is it? Is it truly you know biblical grounds, or is there such thing as biblical grounds for the divorce? Anonymous, it's a good question, and thank you. This is a timely question because I know for a fact we're, we're these are things that I know people are dealing with. So thank you for asking. Let me answer the question. Yes, these are biblical grounds for divorce. Now, we know that God is always in the business of restoration. God's heart is always to restore. And and there's nothing that we can do that we cannot be forgiven of. Forgiveness for our sin is always available. However, when it comes to the marriage relationship, you know, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7. There are times when uh, things happen within a marriage that cause so much pain that uh, the marriage cannot be restored. And this is a consequence of sin. 
um, anonymous. I would look at those two chapters, specifically um, chapter 7, but the grounds that Paul talks about here for divorce, if they're going to be grounds are for abandonment and for infidelity. Paul says to the unequally yoked husband and wife, if one spouse is not a believer, wants to leave, then let them leave. And even if God is in is for restoration and always for marriage, uh, you can't force somebody, especially if they're an unbeliever, you can't force them to stay. And so the believer, uh, if they feel so led by the Lord, has biblical support to let them go. And again, First Corinthians chapter 6 is also there, uh, grounds for divorce if there is infidelity. And, you know, this is one of the painful things because there's always forgiveness for our sins. However, uh, sin that violates the trust within a marriage can sometimes cause so much damage, even if forgiveness is available. And sometimes that damage is is the inability for the the victim to to be restored or to allow the the marriage to be restored and that they're the victim they're not the ones that are the offending party within the marriage it's the one that committed the sin the one that committed adultery and sometimes even after counseling it's just not possible and it's heartbreaking but anonymous yes first corinthians chapter 6 and then into chapter 7 i would look if you have a further questions um, anonymous, uh, you can call the church and we can speak privately, but I, uh, you had already mentioned that you have a church that you go to and that you are already talking to people there. Um, uh, make sure the people that need to get counseling get it. And speak to one of the pastors, and I'm sure they'd be more than willing to help help out. Does, does that help, Anonymous? I think you said you were going to stay on the air. Yeah, yeah, sir. I appreciate it. That, that uh, helps a lot. Thanks. You're more than welcome. God bless you. <sighs> so um, you, you're, you were talking about your childhood and what wisdom you can impart. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, I went about through Thanksgiving because my mom was sharing her heart. Our childhood was tough. And, and I, I watched God soften the heart of my dad who my family would agree he was not a nice man. And, but he, through circumstances beyond his control, he, he reached the end of his rope and allowed the Lord to really soften his heart. And he had a stroke in 2012, and he eventually passed away in 2015. And I remember when I was doing his memorial service here at the church, um, I, I I couldn't help but think about how good God is. Yeah, there were a lot of things I could have thought about in our upbringing that made our house really difficult. You know, strict parents, uh, you know, disciplinary father because of the military. But uh, I couldn't help but just think about how good God was and how good God has been. Um. So yeah, that's that's wisdom. yes, my yeah. wisdom. Well, the, the, the wisdom I would impart uh, here is this: we've got we're just inside four four minutes, so I don't think we have enough time for a phone call. So you and I can talk about this. I'll share my wisdom, and then you can impart some of yours that you've learned from your childhood. But for me personally, uh, it doesn't matter how hard your life, your upbringing was. Jesus is bigger than all of the difficulties you had in your home. And now that you're an adult, you have no excuse. You, you know the goodness of God. You've seen his hand work in your life if you're a born-again Christian, so you cannot use the excuse of what people have done to you when you were younger to justify your actions of the flesh today. Um, my wisdom is about thinking because I had really struggled with thinking a lot before mm. and less now, of course, but... Um, I think that uh, my wisdom is about, like, um, instead of thinking, uh, 
get your, you know, put, <laughs> like hit the ground running. That's like right. Start serving the Lord and start looking like, like what you were saying. Um, stop, stop looking inward and now let the Lord use you in other ways. He's going to take care. We know that he's going to take care of everything else. So just trust him. Let your life be used for Jesus. I absolutely love that. You know, and I think this is sort of confirmed by a few of the callers today. You know, Felipe, starting off the show with his story, really is a word of encouragement for us because whether we're going through a difficult time today or we've gone through one in the past, the truth is that being with Jesus is the only way we're going to make it through. And not just survive. He wants us to thrive. Mm-hmm. Right, sweetie? Yeah. In, in, in being with Jesus, not only are we able to just make it through our trials, but we could actually produce fruit in the middle of them. And I love that example. But yes, you know, one quick thing about thinking. This is something I tell the men all the time. So many of us, we tend to overthink things, overanalyze things, look too deeply into things. And I think being with Jesus really simplifies the way we think. Absolutely. And we have to do that like moment by moment. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yes. Yes. We have, uh, I'll say myself, I am, I don't know what that cartoon is, but the the, the one with the the squirrel and the distraction. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I could be so focused on something. I mean, you see this at home. Uh, I'll go get something upstairs, and I'll be halfway through the stairs, and all of a sudden, I I don't even know what I'm getting. I'm just distracted. But the Lord wants to control our thinking. He wants to use it for His glory. So do you want to Absolutely. say bye? Trust in Him. Continue to trust in Him. Absolutely. That's the music. That means we're at the end of the date, the edition. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 o'clock. See you later. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.